What I'd like to talk to you about tonight is the topic, when discouragement comes. When discouragement comes. A famous uh, writer and columnist named William Arthur Ward once said, Flatter me and I may not believe you. Criticize me and I may not like you. Ignore me and I may not forgive you. Encourage me and I will not forget you. Discouragement is a very real problem in society today. And sadly, even more at times within the Christian society. There have been many faithful Christians through our generations that have experienced discouragement in the most treacherous of ways. Here in the book of Jeremiah, we find a preacher, prophet, that has been given the task to minister to a stiff-necked people. People that would not obey. Since birth, God chose him to serve such a people, and he spent a whole lifetime never being able to marry or have a normal life other than to just help people that would not obey, that would see their lands be taken away, that would see their children and their, and their culture and their peace and what they were stripped from them, from the enemies of God, and, and lament the sadness and which what gives us the book of Lamentations and a generation that would lose its identity and the blessings of God and to see the temples emptied and, and occupied by beasts of the land and animals. Just a sad thing. And Jeremiah would not escape the sting of discouragement. He wanted to quit on God. As a matter of fact, some would argue that he did quit on God. He faithfully served God, but yet was discouraged at the same time. Yes, even the most faithful get discouraged. There are many faithful Christians serving the Lord in ministry today that are faithful and that are committed week in and week out to do their responsibility in the work of the Lord, yet they're discouraged. There are ushers in many churches that put on the usher's coat that are discouraged. There are bus drivers that turn on the bus and go to those places that no one else is willing to go and yet are discouraged. There are Sunday school teachers that will prepare a lesson and come ready to share it with all their heart, yet discouraged. There are people that sing in choirs, that faithfully practice and come and get up and sing to the Lord, yet are discouraged. There are preachers all over that at many times get behind a pulpit and do the best they can to preach the word of God because they understand they've been called to preach, because they understand the responsibility. They understand what's at stake, yet they'll do it discouraged. There are many mothers that will take care of nursery and that will do it faithfully, yet discouraged. There are sound men that work the sound system and the cameras and, 
everything that they're supposed to do on time and when it's supposed to do it, the best to their ability, yet discouraged. It seems like it would not be the case if someone is faithful, it doesn't work that way, but yet there's so many faithful Christians that even here tonight possibly have been fighting discouragement. How is that possible? Elijah was discouraged in the cave. After such a victory, as a moment that would change and identify and, 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 and single him out as one of the greatest prophets, and, and what a victory, yet he found himself discouraged. You know, Satan uses discouragement against us to hinder God's work. David suffered it. We see numerous passages in the book of Psalms how he expresses his discouragement. I'd like to take you just to a few Psalms 41.9, please. Psalms 41.9. My intention is not to discourage you with the message tonight. <laughs> Psalms 41.9. The Bible says there in verse number 9, Yea, mine own fam fam familiar friend in, when I, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. Now we know this is a passage, a prophetic passage for Judas Iscariot, but these are nonetheless words coming out of the heart of David. Psalms 38.4, Psalms 38.4, the Bible says in verse 4 there, For mine iniquities are gone over mine head, and catch this, as in heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. You ever notice, you ever get into the place where the burdens are just too much? Psalms 42, 42.11, please. Psalms 42.11. Psalms 42.11, the Bible says there in verse 11, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my continence and my God. Jonah suffered it. Job, when he wondered why he didn't perish at birth. When faced with the most difficult moment of his life, when the burdens were the greatest, when he had just lost his children and everything that he had, hears from his own wife, his helpmeet, his best friend to abandon his faith. Job suffered discouragement. Moses, as a leader, was about to quit on God. But glory to God that the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as he of a contrite spirit. You see, God careth for us. He is our healer. He is our redeemer. He is our restorer. He is our best friend. Amen. In 1 Peter 5, 7, the Bible does remind us, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. He does care. 
When discouragement comes in, we know that the devil, the, the devil would love for us to forget and to ignore the fact that God does care for us, that God, for God, it does matter what we are carrying, what we are burdened about. He does care. And sometimes when discouragement comes, that is the first thing we forget. But the most needed, God does care. Notice in Psalms 55, 22, Psalms 55, 22. The Bible says there in uh, Psalms 55, verse 22, the Bible says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. He shall never suffer the righteous. Cast thy burden upon the Lord. Cast it upon him. Because he is faithful even when we are not faithful. You know, Jeremiah is struggling with a people that just do not want to commit, do not want to listen, and, and since his childhood and since his beginning of his ministry, he sees no big day. He sees no, no, no light at the end of the tunnel. He's burdened. He's, he's carrying a load that is just too much to bear, and he comes to the point of his ministry where he feels that, that he can no longer go forward. Maybe in his world, maybe with the situation with, with, um, uh, that, that he was facing, maybe it wasn't the end of the world. Maybe it wasn't really the end of his ministry. But, but for him, in that moment of time, it was just too much to bear. And he didn't know how to figure things out. He didn't know how to solve his problems. He didn't know what next to do. He, he had tried to figure everything out. He had tried to resolve the matters. He had tried to compel the kings. He tried to compel the leaders. He tried to, uh, you know, plead to the people, but nothing, nothing was working. And he gets to the point where he says, I can't do this no more. I don't know if God wants me to do this no more. There's no evidence that he's, he's using me here. I'm preaching the word of God, but yet there's no response. Boy, I know I felt that when we were preaching to empty chairs. I was telling, I was talking to someone recently, and I was telling him how, and we were listening to uh, the Heart to Help ministry. One of the pastors shared their heart, and I was identifying so much with him. And as he, as he was sharing his thoughts, he was saying that when he preached to the, uh, to the empty uh, auditoriums and the chairs, it was the most emotionally roller, emotional roller coaster to go through those two, three months of preaching to empty chairs. Man, you had to gear yourself up to come to the church when there's no one waiting for you, and you walk in an auditorium when there's no one there, and, and, and you're, you're trying to sing and, and go forth and, and have a smile on your face, but everything inside you is telling you, ugh. And, and you get up and, and you have to get on, t on uh, you know, a top side and, and be encouraged and talk to a, a, a device and, and pretend that there's people there looking at you and you're all the time thinking, is there even anybody watching this thing? And you get up and you preach because you don't want them to feel like they're not being fed even in the circumstances. And you don't want them to think that maybe th th I need to look elsewhere or maybe, maybe I just, why even turn this, this whatever on YouTube or Facebook? So you give it all you have and you preach with everything you have and looking into a camera and you're seeing yourself on the screen as I'm watching this myself tonight even. And you're thinking... Nothing's happening. And you pour your heart out. And you're wiping a wet sweat. 
that nobody cares about. And you're preaching and you're admonishing people and hoping that somewhere in some, in some living room, in some room, in some corner, some kitchen, in some table with a coffee on the side or something, that someone maybe possibly is falling under conviction. Maybe there's someone that, that's being saved or even convicted about salvation. Or maybe there's a member, a faithful member that somehow snuck in an amen in their living room and, and it's, it's being a help to them, but there's no confirmation about that. And you go home, and uh, now you have to come back to reality. You go into the house, and like nothing happened. And for three months, you have to go through that. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I can testify that those were the most emotional draining three months of the ministry that I have been able to do for the Lord. I'm not complaining. I'm just admitting to you that it was during that time that God gave me these thoughts. I don't know if I was discouraged. I don't know if that is why God gave me this message. But I do know that what... I got from this message helped me during that time. So I want to share that with you tonight. And uh, I'll be faithful to the outline as possible and get right through this message, being that the Lakers are going to play here in a little bit. <clears throat> so the first thing I want to share with you, when discouragement comes, when discouragement comes, the first thing I see Jeremiah do is relinquish his will to God. He says there in verse 7, O Lord, thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I, and, I, and, 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 and has prevailed, and I am derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. Jeremiah admits and confesses to God that he has been fighting him, that he has been struggling with him, and he says, thou art stronger than I. Jeremiah came to conclusion quickly that God, you cannot fight and you will not prevail against God's will in your life. Let go and let God be God in your life. He knoweth what's best. God is in control. And when those times of discouragement come, when you don't know what to do, when you don't know what's next, when you, un when you can't make sense of it, when you are truly discouraged, when people that you love have maybe uh, hurt you or things have not turned out the way you expected, expect them to turn out, when things aren't working out the way you think they should be, yet you are striving for excellence, yet you are pushing away and hoping that things will come out the way they're supposed to come out, yet everything else comes back the opposite way. It doesn't work out the way you think it should work out. And sometimes if you would be sincere and admit it tonight, that we find ourselves fighting with God, arguing with God, trying to make things work the way I expect them to work. And let me tell you, the quickest thing, the fastest, the, the, the quicker we relinquish our will to God, the quicker we the, 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 the admit and realize that we cannot against God, that we should not against God, and just let God be God in our life, Amen. the less suffering it will be. Good. There's too many Christians fighting against God. 
In Acts chapter 5, verse 39, Acts chapter 5, verse 39, please. Acts chapter 5, verse 39. The Bible says there in verse 39, Acts chapter 5, verse 39. If you'd go there with me, please. Acts chapter 5, verse 39, the Bible says quickly there in verse 39, it says this. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest haply ye be found even to fight against God. Could it be possible that Christians fight against God? Could it be possible that good Christians find themselves pushing against God? Pushing against his will? Trying to establish ground, trying to to establish their will, trying to figure things out on their own instead of going to God and letting God be God. Maybe it's not fun. Maybe it's not e the easy way. Maybe it's gonna cost some suffering. Maybe it's gonna hurt. Maybe it's not gonna make sense. But do you find yourself fighting the will of God, trying to argue with God, yet you don't verbalize it, you don't express it, but inside your heart, you don't like what's going on, and you don't agree with God, and you see it evident in your prayer life, and you see it evident in your scripture reading, and you see it evident when there's an altar call, you don't want to come forward, you don't want to admit, you don't want to break easily, and that is the situation that takes us to fighting against God. And let me tell you what I see Jeremiah doing is ad admitting, God, you're more stronger than I. I, I I'll stop fighting. I'll stop fighting this. I, I, I don't want to remember. I don't even want to speak. I don't want to do anything more. I am just too burdened with this, Lord. But I realize that you are stronger than I. Amen. Oh, that God would take us there. Oh, that God would, would help us realize that maybe in marriage this evening, things aren't working out the way they're supposed to work out. Maybe a, a son or a daughter are, are taking uh, steps that we would not agree with. Maybe we want to do everything in our power to stop what's going on and change circumstances and alter the course. But sometimes in our faith, sometimes in our life, the best thing to do is just step back and let God be God. Too many Christians are hurting today because they find themselves fighting with God. They've lost their joy of salvation. They lost hope. They've lost uh, encouragement. They've lost excitement for the things of God. We come to church and we sit in the pew and we'll listen to the word of God and we'll sing the songs, but yet we do it with a discouraged heart. And I don't want to live a discouraged life. There's nothing more sad there's nothing more bitter. There's nothing more dry than to live a Christian life discouraged. He relinquished his will. You know, the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 3, Proverbs chapter 3, if you would. You have to forgive me for not quoting most of these verses. I, I, I might most easily do it in Spanish, to be honest with you, and I'm not saying I know the verses, but I don't want to, I don't want to attempt to do it so easily and, and, and just not quote the scripture correctly. Proverbs 3, the Bible says in verse 5, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. You, it's a simple truth yet so so 
impacting, so truthful, so such a difference in a Christian life. When we simply acknowledge him, when we simply let him and trust him. Jude, verse 24, the Bible says this. Jude, verse 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faith, faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. You see, God wants us to enjoy. God wants us to enjoy our Christian life. He doesn't, he doesn't, in his will, I, I don't see it, I, I can't find it. He wants us to be sad, he wants us to be discouraged. It goes against the nature of God. God in, in his word, in his theology, takes us to a joyful life, to an abundant life. Uh, he wants us to have uh, uh, success, victories after victories. He's promised us an abundant life. There's no room for a discouraged life within, within, those, within those parameters of God. He wants us to be on top side. He wants us to be encouraged. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to be at peace. He wants us to be in joy uh, in our, our salvation. He wants us to be able to have that same joy at home, at work, in the car, at church, in our Sunday school class, in our bus ministry, but why is it that we find so many of us struggling with discouragement? Number next, uh, refuse to listen to the negative. Notice in verse number 10 there in Jeremiah chapter 20, the Bible says, for I heard the defaming of many fear on every side. Report, say they, and we will report it. All my familiars watch for my halting, saying, peradventure, he will be enticed. He refused to listen to those that would want him to fall, to falter. He confessed, he confessed uh, past uh, of, 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 of his discouragement. He, he admits it to the Lord and his friends have betrayed him. His friends stand to the side and, and are waiting for him to falter, are waiting for him to fail. And, and just as, as Jeremiah was willing to quit on God and to walk away from the ministry and never once more preach in the name of God, in the name of, 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 his, of his Lord, uh, just that quickly he he re he's remembered and, and he, he comes to his senses in verse 11 and he says, but the Lord is with me as a mighty, terrible one. He did not pay attention. He refused to listen to the negative. Job, the Bible tells us that he refused to listen to those that would accuse him of being at, at fault. We are to guard our hearts above all else, the Bible says in Proverbs 4.23. Think of good things, Philippians 4.8. The battle against discouragement is in our mind. The devil knows this too. In 1 Peter 5, 8, he walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You see, what we must do at all costs is refuse to listen to the, to the, to the negative, refuse to listen to, to the devil, refuse to listen to those things that will discourage us. Refuse it. I think of David when he came up to that valley where the two uh, armies were and, and, and Goliath stood in the middle and he comes minding his own business and, and just bringing a lunch to his brothers. And he comes just obeying his father, not, not knowing what's going on, but he comes with a pure heart, with pure intentions, just to be a blessing to their brothers. And, and sure enough, the first 
the first things he comes out of his mouth is, is, is he asks for his brothers, are they okay? And out of all the people that were there, and out of all the men that were there, even the things that Goliath was saying in his, with his mouth, how he was cursing uh, the, the children of Israel, how he was mocking their God, and how he was offending their God. Out of all the things he heard that day, the one person that he least expect him, expected to hear something negative from. I mean, out of all the people, we, we can take pretty much about just about anything. I mean, we can take criticism from others. We can, we, you know, we, people will look at us with ugly faces and, and just kind of frown on us and say, you're worthless this, you're worthless that, you're no good this, whatever. We can take pretty much a lot of things. But the one thing we have difficulties taking, the one thing that really discourages at many times is when our own family, those that we love, those that we trust the most, will want to discourage us. You know, when things aren't good at home, it's hard to even sleep. It's hard to even eat. I mean, we can have a bad day at, at work. We can have a bad day at church even, if I may say that. But when things aren't good at home, everything is out of whack. David comes up to that place and minding his own business, and, and Eliab, his brother, says, hey, what are you doing here? What'd you do with the sheep? I know your heart. You're full of pride. You just came to look at this, at this battle, and, and what are you doing here, David? And the people, the Bible says, heard what he told them. He wasn't in secret. He, he professed that he said it in front of everybody, and the people mocked David. And, and even when he got, the word got to the king, uh, Saul, and when he gets to the king, Saul, and he, Saul tells him, you can't do this. You're just nothing but a lad. Every direction he was being discouraged. Everybody didn't believe in him. And maybe David would agree with them. But at that very moment, he went past the words. He didn't listen to the gossip. He didn't listen to his own brother that was discouraging him. He ignored it. He rejected it. And he went on and still told the king, I will go fight this Philistine. I will go do this. And God will help me have victory over him. So many of us, we face discouragement, even sometimes from the most, the ones that most love us. We, things aren't right at home. Things aren't right with someone we love, a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ, a family that we used to have fellowship with, someone that we used to co-labor with them in the work of God, in the bus ministry or what have you, and something has gone wrong, and we find ourselves discouraged in the things of God. Let me help you tonight. Refuse to listen to the negative. Refuse to listen to the negative. Hey, listen to me. Refuse to listen to the negative. Just understand, hey, people have opinions and people are free to give them. And yes, I probably agree with you. I am nothing and I probably can't win, but God is with me. And if God has chosen me, if God has allowed me to serve him, then he will help me get through this. And you have victory over discouragement. Refuse to listen to the negative. Number three, rehearse the promises of God. Verse number nine. It says there, Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But the Bible says, But his word 
was in mine heart. As a burning fire shut up in my bones, I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. I could not. You see, he rehearsed the promises of God. As much as Jeremiah wanted to, because of discouragement, not to make mention of him no more, speak in his name. But the word of God was hid in his heart. The Bible admonishes to, that we're supposed to hide his word in our heart so as we not sin against God. God admonished Joshua as he began his ministry in Joshua chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, that he should uh, meditate in the word of God and he should cleave to it and meditate day and night because, because if he did so, then everything that he'd do would prosper. It was the single most important thing he can do in his ministry. It was the word of God that quickened him. It was the word of God that revived him. It was the word of God that encouraged Jeremiah on that sad day. He said he tried to suffer it. He tried to ignore it, but it was like fire burning in his bones. He couldn't, he couldn't deny it. He tried to turn away from it. He tried to ignore it. He tried to uh, cast it away. He tried to say, I'm not going to preach anymore. Uh, but but uh, I'm going to quit my Sunday school for sure. For certain now, I'm going to let go of my bus ministry. I can't keep going as a bus captain. I can't keep going as a Sunday school teacher. I can't keep going preaching. I can't do it no more. The burden is too much. It's too difficult. If you'd only know the burden that I carry in my heart, if you only know how difficult it is, how, how hard it is to continue it just is not making sense to me. I don't want to do it no more. And when we get to that point, it is only the word of God that will make a difference in our life. You see, many try to fix it and, and get it right through a vacation, and I'm for vacations, but vacations don't help us. Not in that sense. There are a lot of people vacationing discouraged, <laughs> and they come, come back even more discouraged because of all the money that they spend. They try to find it in things, and they buy huge houses and properties, and, and they get all the, all the expensive furniture, and they paint the walls, and they do a Pinterest kind of house. And yet they're still discouraged. They work so many hours a week because they're trying to, 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 to bring up value in their life. They're trying to bring, have some kind of success financially, and they want security. And if I can just buy that one more house, if I can just raise this much more money, if I can just save this much more, I'm for certain I, everything will come out okay. But yet are still discouraged. Oh, there are people that, that, that give themselves over and they get involved in everything they can and, and they want to help here, they want to help there and yeah, I'll do it, Brother Lapina, and yeah, I'll do it. So, and they get involved in the ministry and they get here and there, but yet they don't find what they need and it's not about what we do, it's about who we are. There are better Christians than I am that do far more for the Lord and yet some of them are no longer in the ministry. How does that happen? Could it be that our discouragement robs us from paying attention to the word of God? Could it be that our discouragement, our lack of relinquishing our will to God, our lack of refusing to listen to the negative, 
takes us to the point where just the message is just another preaching, it's just another sermon. Sunday night is just another Sunday night. Uh, Sunday morning is just another Sunday morning. My Sunday school class is just another Sunday school class. And it's been far too long, my friend. It's been far too long that God has not spoken to us, that God has not uh, uh, spoken to us in such a way where we wanted the preacher to quit, where we wanted the message to stop, not because it was going too long, but because we were waiting on the altar call. Oh, God has spoken to me. Yes, it's true. I failed him. I've quite to quit. Oh, I remember the day I, as a young couple, I was praying for something and I asked God to help us and to provide for us in a way where I was certain he would answer. Man, that, I mean, I prayed, I fasted, I, I did everything right. I, I read my Bible, I didn't watch TV all week. You know, I, I did everything I could. I sacrificed the cat. I, I did everything I could. And yet, when the time came that I expected God to answer my prayer, he didn't answer. And I just, I remember getting upset at God. I remember telling the Lord, Lord, I... I don't ever really ask you for such great miracles. I, I see that you do that for so-and-so and that family, and I've heard this testimony, and Lord, the first time that I really set aside everything and I fast and pray, and I'm asking you to just do this favor for me, you don't answer. And I have to admit to you that I got mad at God. I have to shamefully admit to you that even though I was already working in the full-time ministry. I stopped reading my Bible. I stopped praying. Oh, I would pray when I had to pray. Oh, I would read the Bible, even teach it or preach it when it was my time to do so. But I hadn't really looked for God because I have to admit to you, I was mad at God. I just didn't understand it. Things like this, I would say, but God, I'm so faithful to you. I'm so winning. I'm, I'm doing this for you, and we've sacrificed our, our, you know, this and that, and we're working so hard. Could you not even respond? Could you not answer this one prayer, Lord? Why do things have to be so difficult, Lord? We went through some up and downs, unexpected costs from the house. Uh, it, it was during 2008 where, where property values sunk and, and the insurance and everything went up and, and we found ourselves with the taxes of the house doubling and it was just a terrible, it was a mess, it was a confusion and, and they wanted to charge us back taxes on the house that we had just uh, purchased not too long ago and, and I had to come up with an amount that pretty much drained my budget. And man, I was mad at God. It was the most miserable time of my life for the next two, maybe three months. My wife started noticing something was up. And she would tell me things like, honey, you okay? Everything okay, babe? And you know, oh yeah, everything's fine. But inside... I was miserable. And I remember 
During that time, it was a fall time. We had taken this month to try and catch back up to financially where we were. And and, uh, during that time, we started hearing a noise in the middle of the night, maybe three, four in the morning, outside in the backyard. It was a tree and a bird would come every night. And he'd start making this awful noise from three, four in the morning all the way to six in the morning. And it was this huge tree and I couldn't see it. I'd go out in the middle of the night with rocks in my hands, <laughs> trying to kill it because it just wouldn't let me sleep. Night after night. And I remember even one time, Brother Douglas, I took out my little 22 in the middle of the night in Compton, California. That's a crazy thing to do. I'm going out there looking for this bird, and my wife's in the room saying, what are you doing? Come back inside. And I want to know, I'm going to get this bird, man. This bird is costing, not letting me sleep, and I'm done with this bird. And And one of those early mornings as I was outside in my pajamas with no shoes on in the middle of the dark God spoke to me in such a way and he said so here you are outside angry at a bird that is my creation and by instinct is glorifying his creator And you that I've been so good to, that I've saved, that I've changed your life. You're out here and you're mad at me. I fell into conviction that night. And right out there at four or five in the morning, I got on my knees and I repented. And I told the Lord I was so sorry. I felt so ashamed that I was angry at God. What a foolish thing. And for the first time in two, three months, I spoke to God. I woke up that morning. It was, the sun came out. It was 6.30, 7 o'clock. The kids were getting up, and I come in, came inside the house a different man. As I, as I read the scripture that morning, it was, God was speaking to me in all sorts of ways, and I, w- I had been encouraged once again, and God was again real to me, and I was so happy that God would, would entertain the thought of, of using my life, even though I gave up on him, even though I was upset at him, and I was so thankful for his mercy. And I went inside, and sure enough, that was the last night that that bird came to that tree. I can't explain it. He never came across anymore. Never heard him again. It was like God sent that bird to send me a message. As annoying as it was, it was more annoying to God that here I am reaping so many blessings, and yet I was mad and discouraged. Two months passed. And again, the taxes of the houses came. This time I thought, I'm more prepared. I'm going to pay for it. But just that Monday, when I was going to send the payment, something came in the mail. We opened it, and what's this, you know, from the tax board. 
We opened it, and it was a letter from them saying that they had made a mistake two years of taxes on our houses. And with that letter, there was a check for all the money that we had overpaid for two years. It was not only what I was asking for God to give me back in the beginning of the year, but it was everything I needed to pay that December plus more. And when I got that letter, tears came down my eyes. And I remembered quickly, so quickly, God is good. And even though he doesn't sometimes answer us when we think he should answer us, but he answers his, our prayers. He is faithful to our prayers. He is faithful to his children. And he knows, he knows when to give us what we need because he loves us, because he cares for us. Amen. Lastly, Jeremiah remembered who was with him. How easy it is to fall and trip over our failures, the enemies. When we take our eyes off of Jesus, the problems seem much bigger. The wounds seem so much greater and so much deeper. And the enemies seem so much stronger that they really are. But he remembered that God was with him as a mighty, terrible one. Paul said it best in Romans chapter 8 when he said, If God be for us, who can be against us? David didn't see Goliath, the giant. He saw the giant of his God that was with him. When discouragement comes, and it will, and it will, relinquish your will to God. Refuse the negative. Rehearse the promises of God. And remember who is with you. When discouragement comes, and it will, God is still faithful. I hope these me this message can help someone here tonight.